Hello, and welcome to another episode of City on a Hill, a podcast about what it means to be a citizen of heaven and a citizen of the United States. We want to encourage Christians to find their tribe in the church and their hope in the kingdom of God, rather than to seek both in the kingdom of man. So with that, let's get to it today. Well, hello, I'm Eric Estep. And I'm Scott Reilly. And this is the City on a Hill podcast. Welcome back, listeners. Welcome back, Scott. Scott, we are several days away from Easter. Mm -hmm. What are you doing to get ready for the Resurrection Sunday? you know, I'm praying, I'm reading my Bible, I'm doing all those things. Oh, dear. We, we know, and, and I'm doing some other stuff. <clears throat> That's what you're interested in. Is you're not really interested in the real answer. Well, I'm, I'm potentially interested. I don't know. You're um, so I, you know, I'm thinking about how do things um, come together, and how does the uh, you know city on the hill uh, fit with the resurrection and things. So I I will admit that I did this. <laughs> I uh, I put um, in chat GPT, I said, um, describe the resurrection of Jesus Christ in the tone of Donald Trump. And then I, just so everyone knows, I did uh, Joe Biden also. I did Thomas Jefferson, and I did Ronald Reagan. So there you go. Um, and I got a variety of things, just so you know. Really? Yeah, <clears throat> are you are you Any, like, anything worth sharing? Are you wanting some highlights? I'll. How about two highlights? Two highlights. Okay. Um, the highlight the highlight that we've enjoyed the most so far, if I can. Oh yes, here is this. Uh, so I mean, people were saying there's no way he's coming back. He's gone. But Jesus, he defied all the odds. He proved everyone wrong. And let me tell you, it was all because of him. He's the greatest. He conquered death. He's a winner. And that's what we like to see. And people were so happy. They were cheering. They were celebrating. It was like nothing else anyone had ever seen before. And you know what, folks? It's a sign of what's to come. Because if Jesus can come back from the dead... <laughs> do it if jesus can come back from the dead imagine what we can do if we put our minds to it so let me just say the resurrection of jesus it was a big league moment it was huge it was fantastic and i'm just honored to have been able to witness it oh my goodness <laughs> I'm, glad, I'm glad you got that off your chest i, do, I don't have any highlights that <laughs> I don't have any other highlights that like match that one. That was, I'm just honored to have been able to witness it. So, so some AI for Easter preparation. So that's <laughs> proof, really. <clears throat> Eric just, I read it and I laugh, and t Eric just keeps saying, "It's not real. <laughs> it's not real." <laughs> Which is why they call it artificial intelligence. Right. So right. it is an artificial moment, but a big league artificial moment, I must say. <laughs> yes. Very, very oh my much so. goodness! So anyway, um, I don't know if that 
gets me ready for Easter or not, Eric, to answer your question. But I did squander some <laughs> just minutes. squander some minutes. <laughs> I'd venture to guess it was more than minutes. Um, <laughs> just the amount of time you read that. Oh, man. Uh, one of the things, I'll, I'll share some of the things we, our, my family does. Oh, um, here we go. Not chat GPT related, uh, but that was worth the time anyway. Um, one of the things we do is in the week prior to uh, Easter Sunday, we don't use, well, we don't do any lights or anything after dinner. Mm. So everything's dark. It's all candlelight. Um, and it really uh, kind of sets the tone. And we're longing for, for, we're longing for good news, basically, for a week before Easter. Um, and that's, we haven't started it yet because we're recording this a couple days before Tuesday, but when this is, when this is posted, um, that we'll be doing that. We'll be maybe reading our books by candlelight or, and every, every night, um, at, right now during dinner, we've been lighting a candle for dinner and saying, uh, Lord have mercy. So all, hmm. all of us will recite that together as we're anticipating the celebration of good news. Um, it's not, not the same as the chat GPT, but... <laughs> It's, <laughs> it is what we're doing. Someday you'll arrive. Someday you'll arrive. Uh, so on Sunday, there, I just looked this up, there's over 2 billion Christians in the world, and 2 billion Christians are going to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. Um, that's not completely true because some of them will be a week off. With Orthodox so that, Easter. Yep, yeah. Orthodox Easter, but 2 billion Christians. Um, and, and, and that is interesting because, you know, most of these stats you hear well, there's this many, and you think that's not really how many. And you might think that with 2 billion Christians, but it's likely that a majority of people, even who self-identify as Christian here, or who go to, who are part of a Christian nation, will have some kind of celebration mm-hmm. about the resurrection. So, yeah, I mean, that's not... That's a, significant. It is a... That, that's a re- reasonable estimation, I think, that they'll even... What do we say? Christmas and Easter Christians right. Right. will celebrate Easter. So there you go. They count in there. Yeah, that even if, if you're nominally connected, right. there's there's some significant event that's happening, and you go, oh, I, I should probably show up and do something. Um, but if, if you follow Jesus, the death and resurrection of Jesus is of great significance for our salvation. Uh, but this, this podcast is all about how the church interacts with politics and vice versa. And I, I'd like to say that the, the death and resurrection of Jesus also speaks to the way we engage the political and the, the, engage we, the way we engage the political even now. Um, one of the perhaps least talked about aspects of the atonement or the work of Christ is Christus Victor. Um, I le- one of the things I learned in, in seminary was to think about atonement. One of the analogies or metaphors was atonement as like a diamond, a multi-faced diamond. And there's a bunch of different things happening with Jesus's work on the cross, and, and we'll often hear about justification or uh, sanctification or um, uh, propitiation, all these different expensive words. And uh, one of them that we don't talk about a lot, I don't think, in, in Protestant circles is Christus Victor. And it's the element of the atoning work of Christ that emphasizes the triumph of Christ over evil powers of the world. Um, and we'll, we'll talk about those various powers. But through that work, he rescues his people and establishes a new relationship between God and the world. And there was a fairly helpful Gospel Coalition article we can put um, in the show notes. But Christus Victor becomes kind of an overlaying idea about the victory of Christ. Christ is victor. That's what Christus Victor means in Latin. Uh, and it's 
this idea of atonement as divine conflict and victory. Christ, Christus Victor, fights against and triumphs over the evil powers of the world, the tyrants under which mankind is in bondage and suffering, and in him God reconciles the world to himself. Um, that's from, I think it's Ulen. Um, Martin Luther called, talked about it being the magnificent duel. So this is like, um, this is like the, the transcendent good versus evil. In Christ is mm-hmm. is the good, um, claiming victory over the evil. And this, when I think about Christus Victor, I really think often about um, Augustine's city of God. And he said, "There's there's the city of God, and there's the city of man, and they've been in this conflict for the entirety of history, from the garden, uh, when um, when the, the serpent's in the garden and deceives people away from God, and they follow the serpent instead of um, instead of God. And God says, someday I'm going to crush the serpent. That's basically a proclamation of." Someday I'm going to be victorious, and I'm going to triumph over evil. And that that truth that happens on the cross, that truth that happens in the resurrection, I think has great significance for how we interact in the political. Can I just say one uh, other thing that has, before we get to the political? Yeah, yeah. And that is just simply that, we tend to think of the atonement of Jesus or the death and resurrection of Jesus, what he's doing on the cross as personal for me. Mm. He's doing it to save me. He's doing it to forgive my sins and all of that. And we, and, and rightly so. And we get, mm-hmm. you know, emotional about that and, and we should, but what is happening on the cross is, is really far bigger than just what he did for me or even what he did for the two of us. Right. He, he is doing something in the world for, you know, throughout world history uh, on the cross. Mm-hmm. And so this victory you're talking about is one of the <clears throat> one of the things that is bigger than uh, just an individual. And I think that uh, certainly he's doing, um, he's saving individuals, right. no question. But it's, it's not limited to that. Right. And I think it's really important that we recognize that God is doing much more on the cross than... Mm-hmm than just something for us. Right. And I think of the aspects of atonement, of the aspects of the work that Christ did on the cross, Christus Victor is one of those that forces you to think about the transcendent and not just the personal. Mm-hmm. Um, and my my caution, and one of the reasons I even want to talk about this, is when we when you come to Sunday, listener, um, I hope that you're not, I, ho- I hope you're thinking about the individual for sure. I th- hope you're thinking about yourself and realizing, oh, Christ died for me. But I hope you don't stop there. And that's why I want to talk about this, because there is a bigger impact on your life than just um, just what God did for me. It's, it's bigger than that, and it, it should affect how you interact with everything, including the political, and one of the ways you can think through that and kind of expand the vision of what Christ did is by considering Christ as victor. Um, so why should we talk about that here? Uh, first, we don't have to secure the victory because Jesus already did, just very simply. And if, if you spend any time thinking about political things, it's all about winning. And even, I think you just fake quoted, <laughs> fake quoted a politician about winning. Um, but this is real victory. This is not just personal victory. This is uh, transcendent victory, all world victory, huge, vic- big league victory. Huge. <laughs> I'm biting my tongue. There you go. So if Christ secured the victory, I don't need to make sure my team wins in order for victory to be secured. 
And that could be if you're a Democrat thinking, oh, I need the Democrats to win because that's how we get victory or Republican or conservative or liberal. Um, victory is not secured by political election. And when we look to Jesus on the cross and then Jesus in his resurrection, we realize, ah, victory has already been secured and it's not through the ballot box. It's not through political engagement. It's not through running for office or, or winning or making sure the policies that I want um, to get through, uh, through into legislation, victory happens elsewhere. But that's not the same victory. I mean, victory happens in, you know, the MLS or MLB or Final Four here this weekend or whatever, too, right? There's other sure. victories. I mean, sure. but this isn't, is it the same victory that you're talking about? Well, it depends. Yeah, I think so. Because broadly described, not even broadly described, what, what are you trying to secure in political victory? Um, if, you're, if it's rightly understood, you're trying to secure justice or righteousness or proper governance or um, something of that nature. I suppose you could be going for different ends that are worse or less than that, and then Jesus' victory is different than that. Mm -hmm. But if you are, are pursuing proper ends, Jesus' victory is bigger than all those ends and, and secures the ends you're actually looking for in political, um, political engagement. Well, yeah, I mean, I asked that question in part because I think it's important for us uh, you know, we get really myopic mm -hmm. as we look at elections or as we look at policies or, and that sort of thing. And we think, well, the religious sphere is over here and Jesus' victory right. belongs to that one. See, that's, I mean, that's why I asked the question. Right. We want to like pigeonhole Jesus over here in religion right. and not in uh, public life. Mm -hmm. And what you're saying is that the, the human flourishing that politics is about and the mm -hmm. life together that politics is about. Or supposed to be about. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, really. It's supposed yeah. to be about that, that really it's that sphere in which the victory of Jesus matters. Well, and if we're talking about spheres, um, when we've talked about Kuyperian theology before or, or Kuyper talking about sphere sovereignty, this thing is over this sphere and this thing is over this sphere, Jesus is over all the spheres. So it doesn't matter what sphere you're in, Jesus's victory applies to that sphere. And there's also time in play, right? We're waiting, we're waiting for the, uh, I think the new dictionary of biblical theology described it as the celebration of the victory. The victory is already secured. We're not yet all celebrating it, mm -hmm. which happens in the new heaven and the new earth, but it's already secured. Jesus already got it. Um, and someday it'll be obvious to everyone, even if they don't agree with Jesus, that, oh, Jesus is victorious, and I just didn't know until this moment. Um, so yeah, to answer your question, I think the victory of Jesus is so much stronger, so much deeper, so much more comprehensive than anything we do within the realms of man, and it includes, it includes the realms of man. I think it, it supersedes the realms of man. Well, yeah, I, I think it's just really important to keep it as you know simple as we can to, mm -hmm. to say that the things that we think matter, namely justice, mercy, truth, mm -hmm. you know, the things that you want to, uh, for the sake of human flourishing really do come through the grace that, that is given on the cross and the mm -hmm. celebration of the resurrection. Mm -hmm. And so we're not, you know, I, I, I guess I don't want to feel like or to communicate that somehow I've got only you know, a hammer, and so everything's a nail. Mm. I really do think that 
that what God is doing in the world to fix the brokenness mm-hmm. happens in Jesus. And the pinnacle of the work of Jesus is the cross and resurrection, what right. we're going to celebrate next weekend. Right. So if that's what God is doing, then it would make a difference in other spheres of life too. Right, right. Well, and just as a little Bible example, um, so if we're, if we're sitting in the reality of the final victory now, but it's not fully realized in the new heavens and new earth, um, someday it will be realized. When, and what I think is interesting is that when it is realized, it'll, it'll be pointed back to basically the blood of the Lamb on the cross. That's, that's where this, the victory was secured. And this is from Revelation 12, um, starting in 9. And the great dragon was thrown down, the ancient serpent who is called the devil and Satan. I've already referenced the garden. This is the bookend on the other end of the scriptures. Uh, the deceiver of the whole world. He was thrown down to the earth and his angels were thrown down with him because Jesus is victorious. And I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come, for the accuser of our brothers has been thrown down, who accuses them day and night before our God. And they have conquered him, and listen to this, by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, for their loved, their lo- their, they loved not their lives even unto death. So even in this moment, this is realized um, victory, and the realized victory is attached to the blood of the lamb from the cross. So on Sunday, when we're celebrating Jesus's work, um, we're celebrating work that will uh, that has secured victory now and will one day, everyone will know it. Everyone will see it for what it is. This is complete, complete victory over all the accusers and over the great dragon, um, the ancient serpent. And I'm on a mission to make dragons evil again, by the way. I don't know if I've shared that with you, but the great dragon here, I, I've, I've been reading books and uh, things to our kids, and as I read them, I feel like dragons have become friends, and dragons are not friends. Dragons are evil. Oh. <laughs> and uh, this is just a, this just reminded me of that. We, we've, we've, it's this almost, dragon is evil. This dragon's sure. evil. And I, I think it's interesting that, that stories have, have kind of shifted, and the dragons become friends, and there's something, there's something subversive about that. I don't know, but... Anyway, that's for another time. Hmm. <laughs> um, I can ask ChatGPT. There you go. <laughs> in, in whose voice? So another, another reason why we're talking about this, um, there's often a lot of fear associated with politics, a lot of fear associated with opinions about politics. And if Christ is victor, you don't have to be afraid. And you can ignore the fear mongers, the people who sell fear, those who would sell you on an idea to calm your anxieties, or if you just give $5, or if you just vote for this person, then your anxieties will go away. Um, You can ignore them because Christ is victor, and he already secured that victory. Um, This is from 1 John, and it's just such a a pastoral way of writing when 1 John says in chapter 2, I am writing to you fathers because you know him who is from the beginning. I am writing to you young men because you have overcome the evil one. There's that that language of victory. I write to you children because you know the Father. I write to you fathers because you know him who is from the beginning. I write to you young men because you are strong and the word of God abides in you and you have overcome the evil one. Um, This this should give you comfort and uh, ease your anxieties. Um, And if there, and we talked about this several times in other episodes, but if, if there is someone convincing you to be afraid, they are pulling you away from the Christ who is victorious. Um, so that, that's another reason we should think about this. Well, there, yeah, that's a personal 
reason, mm-hmm. whereas the, you know the others you were saying were more cosmic sure. reason. But but the reality is, if you have a resurrected king, and and he is cosmically, I mean, he is reigning over the universe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can take some comfort in that, I suppose. Right, you suppose? I, we can. You suppose? <laughs> you can, because it's huge. It's huge. Another one, uh, we long for a coming kingdom because we have a resurrected king. And if we're talking about politics, we're often in our, uh, in our spot in the world, we're talking about democracy. But this is such a stronger government than democracy. Um, we are waiting for a real physical kingdom with a real physical king. And that king is victorious. And that king is righteous and just and far better than our democracy here. Um, we can, and we've talked about it before, we can be pleased with what we have. We have, I think, common grace in, in the government structures that we have. But the one we're waiting for is so much better. And the king that is coming is victorious. And there, um, there's not going to be anyone that can present a rival kingdom when his is fully established. Uh, this is from Re- Re- Revelation 21. And he who is seated on the throne, there's the language of monarchy, um, of kingdom, said, Behold, I am making all things new. Also, he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give from the spring of, w- of the water of life without payment. The one who conquers will have his heritage, this heritage, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. So even in, in the language of encouragement here, it's language of conquering. It's language of victory. Um, that's that's the type of kingdom that Jesus is bringing. Well, it's, it's political language, too, sitting Very on the throne. And I think that, again, we've said this before, and I think we should say it again, and I think we should probably say it almost every chance we get, that your gospel, your belief in King Jesus is a political statement. Mm-hmm. And your hope, the hope that you have because of the resurrection, is a political hope that there will be a kingdom established that is not this one. Mm -hmm. And that makes this one nervous, Mm -hmm. made Rome nervous. Uh, And yeah, it's a, that I think is a reality. And so the message of the gospel in that regard is subversive, though the people of the gospel may be submissive, Mm. that Mm -hmm. when you are proclaiming, there is somebody else who is more important and more powerful than the kingdom you're part of now, mm-hmm. that's that is a political move that you're making there, right. and I think you just need to own it. Right. That's, I guess, what I'm wanting to do myself and encourage mm-hmm. other people to do is just own it. That I'm not uh, I'm not a bystander in the political arena any longer because I am making a political claim that mm-hmm. Jesus is King and pinning my hopes on that and the resurrection proves that. Mm-hmm. And when the resurrection proves that, that means that there's going to be no um, way really around um, King Jesus. And so King Jesus can't be manipulated right. to support some other policy. Well, people can try to do that. but right. but the, It's not going to last forever. But the fact of his resurrection makes it hard to manipulate him unless... Yeah, unless other people don't know him very well, I guess. Right. Well, as you're saying that, it just brought to mind, on Sunday, Resurrection Sunday, there is going to be the biggest political gathering that the world has ever seen. Boom. 
just because as, mic drop. Yeah, as there's naturally more and more Christians because uh, God continues to grow His church. When we all gather on Sunday and proclaim that there was the God Man who died and the God Man who rose again and the God Man is victorious and the God Man is King, that is the most dramatic political gathering that you can have. We've basically said all other governments are sub, should be um, subjugated to the coming King. Wow! And I it's never not really thought of it that way. That's pretty cool. Neither have I until this moment. <laughs> you and, heard it here first. Yeah. And it, it, it's not the biggest political gathering because there happens to be a bunch of people engaged in local politics or because they love Jesus and they're part of a party or whatever. The very fact of the gospel, the very fact of the good news is the political message. And if so, really, this podcast is just a call to realize what you're connected to. You're connected to something grand and victorious um, in a coming kingdom. And it's in, in many aspects... Um, intention with the political locales you live in. Mm -hmm. So Christ is victor. Um, what, where are some other places, Scott, we would go to talk about? We've talked about some of the why. Why would we even talk about Christ as victor? But what are some of the other places that this kind of language is used? What other scriptures? Well, there's lots of scriptures. Um, First of all, he has, um, it, it does talk about him conquering sin and death and the devil in a variety of places. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, one that um, is really clear. And if, if this does not sound political to you, then I want you to, well, why don't you close your eyes right now unless you're driving? <laughs> And imagine, just use a little bit of imagination because this is very political. Um, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 20. He that worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. And so the language there of, first of all, sitting at his right hand has a, a throne, it's a throne room scene mm -hmm. where there is the, uh, the king and his right hand man, you might say, mm -hmm. but is far above, you know, the huge steps all the way up to the throne um, where um, the rule and authority and power and dominion of this world, both spiritual and um, physical or fi spiritual and political uh, have to look up at him. In fact, it says not only in this age, but also in the one to come. It puts those together, really, and put all things under his feet and made him the head. Those are all, mm. um, you know, governing mm -hmm. kinds of language. And um, that's, uh, it starts off with, the resurrection. He worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead. Right. In other words, the catalyst, the kickoff mm -hmm. for this uh, kingdom and this uh, reigning and ruling is the resurrection of Jesus. Um, yeah, it says this in a number of different places. talks about the uh, your own trespasses and, and sins. Mm -hmm. It says it in Colossians 2 it, that he canceled the 
record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. So we're grateful, personally, that he mm-hmm. did that for us. Then it says, he disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him, namely in Christ. How in Christ? By nailing it to the cross and by having him um, rise again. God made alive together with him. There is a resurrection element to this conquering, and I don't think that we can overstate that. And so the the political demands, the political allegiance that Jesus demands really finds its roots in the cross and resurrection. Well, in this, in Colossians specifically, it echoes the language uh, triumphing over them after disarming the rulers and authorities. That echoes the language of what a conquering king would do after beating an army. He would parade Mm. the conquered army through the city and say, hey, these guys are done. Um, Open shame. That's 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 open shame shame. there. And that's the type, that's the total and complete victory you're talking about Mm -hmm. with Jesus uh, over these rulers and authorities. So who are who are the rulers? Who are the authorities in Colossians here? Well, I think you know I think it said it good in that first, uh, pretty well in that first one where it talked about not only in this age but in the one to come. Mm-hmm. In other words, there I, there is this kind of uh, what you see and what you don't see element mm-hmm. to these rulers and to these authorities and to uh, these powers. Uh, the different mm-hmm. names are used both. I think for. Uh, the the princip- a principality, I mean, we even have mm-hmm. principalities now, which are physical domains where you right. have a governor or maybe you have a president or you have some kind of a, um, a ruler. Principalities could be physical and sometimes are in the scriptures, but also it treats them as, uh, as though there is a spiritual person or spiritual being behind those rulers at times because they're not the i mean they they uh, represent a an opposing kingdom so one would expect there to be a spiritual opposition mm. to uh the real king there so <clears throat> yeah so regardless of political label or spiritual label uh jesus is victorious over them it doesn't matter unseen or seen um, known or unknown, uh, acknowledged or unacknowledged, Jesus is victorious over it. And and both, uh, I, I think it's important when you read that language in the New Testament, um, and s- sometimes it's really clear. Oh, he's talking about angels, mm-hmm. or he's talking about demons, or he's talking about uh, human beings, but some of the time it isn't clear. Mm-hmm. And I think in those instances you can... Um, essentially uh, see the one really in front of the other or mm. maybe that's 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 the wrong way think of one behind the other sure so you see maybe the physical power or the physical principality mm-hmm. and the way the bible you know essentially treats it is that behind that physical person or power there is a spiritual power and it talks about that in daniel where you've got the prince of persia right uh, opposing the or, or Michael and the Prince of Persia in conflict, there is a spiritual conflict that mm-hmm. is related to the physical conflict. And, you know, we, we can't see the one. Right. We can see the other. So anyway, I, there's, a, there's, a lot to, there's a lot that's here in the scriptures about 
um, the glory of the resurrection, and mm-hmm. we could just keep reading. Yeah. And I don't know, maybe people want us to, maybe they should just go to church on Easter Sunday morning, though, and and uh, get a version of it at their church. So, so there's a couple others I want to just point out because uh, they're fantastic, and I think they directly relate to um, the tensions at play when we engage in the political. Uh, often it's us against them. That's often a tactic used to encourage you to engage in the political, mm-hmm. and I think you have to ignore, if you're going to, to uh, submit to that type of urgency or that type of fear, you have to ignore some of the truth that exists because Christ is victor. Oh. Um, and one of those, uh, in Paul's phrase, who can be against us if, if he is for us, if God is for us? And specifically, we'll, we'll keep using this political language on purpose. If the resurrected king is for us, who can be against us? Well, so, so don't just read that and blow by it, right? I mean, the, what you just said um, uh, is that you get emails, I get emails asking for money because the world is, so many things are against us. In fact, mm-hmm. the church is you know, teetering on the brink of extinction because of all of the bad things in the world. That's, that's what you're getting at, right? When you say, if God is for us, who can be against us? Right. So like. Gonna, and for that to be true. It's if the, gonna if, be okay. Right, yeah. yeah. And for that to be true, God needs to be failing, which is, is the the cross and the resurrection proves that's not true. There you go. Um, and are there are there um, temporary little victories of of the evil over the good? Yes, we we encounter those things. But the ultimate victory, when all is said and done, the victory we get to experience cannot be extinguished now, mm-hmm. and it will never be extinguished. Um, and this this is the language from Romans. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? That's you. It is, it is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised? Who is at the right hand of God? Who indeed is interceding for us? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake, we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to, to, the, to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, same language again, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Okay. That's emphatic. <laughs> That's right? pretty good. And, and that list is so comprehensive that there is no email that you can get that would be a, an exclusion that this passage doesn't meet. Well, that, and I just would remind, um, remind you that that begins on the cross. He did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. Mm-hmm. And it continues through the resurrection. Jesus Christ is the one who died more than that, who was raised. Mm-hmm. And now is at the right hand of God. So mm-hmm. the, this victory and this uh, confidence that is ours finds its roots in the death and resurrection of Jesus mm-hmm. or the gospel message. Right, right. Yeah. And then I think it's worth um, just reminding yourself, Christian, you are attached to the coming king, again, resurrected king, political language, um, to whom no knee will remain unbent. Maybe right now, those knees are not bent, and they there are people you know that are not worshiping God. But at some point, um, when when the kingdom is finally fully 
um, seen, fully known, fully celebrated, every knee will bow and everyone will know, oh, this is the king, the one who conquered death. This is uh, how Philippians says it. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. That Even that's political language, really. King of kings, yep, Lord of lords. Um, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. Again, unseen, seen, every, every place, every, everywhere. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That's, that's the king you're attached to. That's the king who died. That's the king who rose again. Um, that's the king we all will celebrate on Sunday. And it's, it is indeed an individual salvation, which we're all grateful for, but it is so much bigger than that and so much more comprehensive and glorious than that. Um, and that's, that's the good news we're going to celebrate on Sunday. And you know what? Chat GPT can't come close. <laughs> How's that? Very true. Very true. Um, so rather than spend any time on Chat GPT on Sunday, there I would you encourage you all to go to church this coming Sunday, celebrate the resurrected king, the coming king. Um, and if, uh, if you're just hearing this going, I, j- I just don't know, I'm, I'm not so certain, just ask God to press the glory of the reality of this, this story into your mind, into your heart, um, give you reason to praise. I know that God wants to answer that prayer, uh, so pray that. And just show up to the political gathering that is Easter Sunday um, and celebrate with others the king who died to bring victory against all the powers and authorities that have set themselves up against God. And that same king who rose again, proving his victory over them all and put them to shame. You have nothing to fear if you belong to the king. So with that, don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts and rate us. If you find what we're doing helpful, a review would go a long way to getting this to other people and share it with a friend um, and invite that friend to Easter Sunday. Um, And if you have any questions, please send them to comment at cityonahillpodcast.com. And we look forward to the next conversation.